Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life, it's episode 241, it is July 16, 2020, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, we have so much to discuss this week. And as always, so many things that we can't talk about right here on the first and only wrestling podcast. That's right. New Japan had their first two big shows in front of fans this past weekend. They crowned a new double champion, a new IWGP heavyweight champion, and a new IWGP intercontinental champion. They have new tag champs as well. Um, We don't talk a ton of New Japan on the show, but, you know, first major show from a major promotion in front of fans. They had 3,000 or so fans both days, I think. Uh, Probably worth worth chatting about. And uh, Evil (laughs) turned... On he lived up to his name, and he turned on his friend uh, Tetsuya Naito, and, with the help and joined Bullet Club, and beat Okada to win the New Japan Cup, and then beat Naito to win both titles. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah, I don't think a lot of people did. Um, we talked a little bit off the air, kind of earlier in the year. There was some scuttlebutt about potentially Sonata defecting. And uh, being one of Naito's first challengers, but that obviously never came to pass. And instead, it was his uh, his tag partner, Evil. Um, whether you think it's the right move or not, I will say I think they did as good of a job making him as quickly as they could. Obviously, they're short-staffed because... Uh, you know, most of their their foreign talent or non Japanese talent are are uh, are unavailable at the moment. So they needed a new leader for Bullet Club. Um, I don't know. Like I don't I don't hate the move. I like Evil as a performer. Um, maybe it was a little over overbooked. Uh, I think the match with Naito, especially there was. Like a lot of ref bumps and run-ins and stuff was a little over the top, maybe for for what I want out of my new Japan. But again, if you're trying to establish a guy as the new leader of a, of this ongoing bad guy faction, and you're trying to make him a main eventer overnight, almost literally, I mean, I think they tried to do the best they could. Whether or not the execution was was perfect or not. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they didn't they didn't uh, no half measures. They when they want to make a guy, they make a guy. So um, I I don't really have a ton to add other than to echo. I'm not sure evil. I like evil. Evil's really good. Um, not sure he'd be the guy I'd go with there, but they made the choice and they had they. Had him beat their two top guys uh, back-to-back days. So, uh, with the help of his new manager, uh, Dick to go. Sure. Yeah. Everyone. Uh, everyone, as everyone would have predicted, uh, Dick Dick Togo showed up and uh, <laughs> is apparently going to be his new uh, ma- manager going forward. Even though Bullet Club already has like a manager who's supposed to talk for guys, but. I guess Gato is specifically Jay White's manager, so they needed someone else to talk for evil. But uh, yeah, that was it's pretty pretty random. Some of the uh, 
that that was a really weird odd uh odd reveal at the end there and you're like oh that's that's interesting <laughs> but they're coming out of it they're going with uh hiromu as the first challenger for evil which i find interesting um now we talked about this a little bit off the air they've done evil versus sonata as like a friendly match in tournaments, including this New Japan Cup in the last two weeks. But I I kind of get the impression maybe they think like there's a story there to be told with either Evil trying to recruit Sonata to the Bullet Club or just like Sonata being conflicted over not wanting to fight his friends um, and he doesn't want to accept that he's truly turned, turned to uh, Evil, for lack of a better <laughs> term. Um, but yeah, what did you think of them going with Hiromu as the first challenger? It's really weird, considering how militant they are about keeping heavyweights and junior heavyweights separate. Mm-hmm. And Hiromu is the junior heavyweight champ, and they just aren't really addressing why this junior heavyweight is getting a shot at the heavyweight title. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that weight split hurts them more than it helps them, but to be so um, you know, to, to be, to strictly enforce it as they do, and then just not address it, is really weird. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, su- I assume Hiromu is definitely losing, <laughs> considering they, they haven't even brought up why uh, he's challenging yet. I don't know, yeah, I, th- I think there is I think you're right about what they're thinking about Evil and Sonata, that there is more of a story that you can tell there, and they don't want to do it again after doing it a week ago and doing it on, like, two weeks with, with no with no real build to it. I, I get it, but um, it, it would make a lot more sense. Uh, you know... Evil stomped on the guy's groin. He stomped on Sonata's groin <laughs> when he when he beat him. Like mm-hmm. that's that's his <laughs> that's his new move. Is he uh, he stomps on uh, the guy's balls? Um, you know, I, I I think Sonata probably knows that they're not friends anymore. But <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. New tag champs as well. I really like that tag match with. Saber and Taichi against uh, Tanahashi and Ibushi. Like, Tanahashi put on just, like, one of the great selling performances <laughs> I've I've ever seen in my life. My man Taichi somehow pulled a, a great match out of those <laughs> those two albatrosses, Ibushi and Tanahashi. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was, that was really good. I, I enjoyed that. I, uh, you know, Zack Saber Jr. is reliable and... I, I think a lot of times I enjoy him more in a tag team role. Like they're tagging him and Suzuki up a lot last year mm-hmm. uh, and, and two years ago. And I, I kind of liked him in that role uh, almost as much, if not more than him in a singles match. And uh, yeah, I, as much as I would have probably enjoyed him and Suzuki being the full, the full-time team there. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still sticking with this, this bit so I'm glad that that Tai Chi is uh, and my man Tai Chi and uh, and his pal Zach got to uh, got to win the belts here. And hey, Zach's like the one foreigner who can actually they can actually use right now. So yep. uh, yeah, good for him. Yep. 
So they have uh, like a house show on Monday morning, and then next Saturday is Sengoku Lord, where Hiromu will go for both belts, and uh, Shingo Takagi will defend the Never title against El Desperado. Desperado had a banger with Ishii in the New Japan Cup. I would assume that uh, they're going to have a great match as well. So uh, a couple big shows and good matches coming up in New Japan. Let's move on to... Let's talk about the Wednesday Night War this week before we get into WWE and the Extreme Rules show that's coming up this Sunday, the horror show. (laughs) Um, I watched AEW. I have to. It's my job. And I thought it was a pretty good show. Uh, several good matches. Didn't really care for Chris Jericho's promo on the show, but Oof. what'd you think of? Uh, what'd you watch? What'd you think? Yeah, I mostly watched AEW. I was able to uh, catch the main event of NXT as well. Um, so I did uh, did get to see uh, Io Shirai and uh, Tegan Knox have a pretty good match. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I mostly watched AEW this week. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good show. It was lacking in like that great, you know, straight up banger of a match. There's a lot of good, fine wrestling on the show, but you didn't have anything sort of remotely approaching that that eight man last week. Um, but still, a you know, a, a solid show. You had some intrigue with uh, Kenny Omega kind of showing off some, uh, I mean, it's not really a tease. He started beating up Marco Stun after the match. So they're seemingly playing up that he's uh, reverting to his old uh, uh, cleaner character. Um, and so there's some intrigue with that. And yeah, you, you've, I guess they found kind of creative way to beat Brian Cage while not beating him in the main event. And also setting up Darby Allen's return. So yeah, I thought I thought AEW was a solid show. Yeah, up and down a lot of good matches. I really like that six man with Jurassic Express and Omega in the box. I thought that was the best match on the show and approaching the eight man from last week. It was not as good. Um, but I mean I think that's the best match on AEW TV all year, so I'm not sure if anything is gonna <laughs> top it. Um I think it's weird that all of, not all, I guess because of the Bucks, but um, all of the executive vice presidents in AEW want to turn heel. Uh, <laughs> Omega's going to turn heel. Um, or I'm not sure if heel is really the way to go because I don't know if they're or the right term to use because I don't know that they are as super strict about heels and baby faces. But. Omega is uh, kind of going to break off and do his own thing. And then tonight, I guess they've been doing it on social media, and I just haven't been paying enough attention to realize it. But they went really heavy tonight on TV with um, Tully Blanchard sitting in the audience, scouting Cody and scouting FTR. And it sure seems there's a lot of smoke to the fire of getting getting a four horsemen group together with Arn and Tully, uh Sean Spears, FTR and Cody. Um what do you think about that uh creative decision? I mean 
look, uh, my close personal Twitter friend, Sean Spears, uh, notwithstanding, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not opposed to that, uh, that idea. It, it doesn't exactly light my world on fire, maybe because I'm still, uh, I still have memories of the Ric Flair four horsemen, quote unquote, in, uh, in TNA. Sure. Um, which was I, not not that I think it will be quite as uh, quite as ridiculous as that, um, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I don't hate the idea necessarily, but to your point, it is kind of strange to be uh, turning two of your your top babyface acts at once. And obviously, you know, if you're gonna put another guy in that in that group, I maybe instead of Spears, it could be the Hangman or somebody. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I think that, I mean, that's sort of the thing I thought about with, with everybody turning is like, well, if Kenny's turning, does Hangman go with him and their heels now? Or do they lose the belt soon and then you split Kenny and Hangman into a singles feud? Or, and then, yeah, on the other side, you also have this, this potential Cody group. So, yeah, that's, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't hate it, but obviously you would think a turn of that magnitude you would want to kind of space out doing any other big turns for a few weeks at least. So yeah, kind of weird to have them both tease on the same show. I I just don't think Cody should be a heel. Like particularly when you get back in front of crowds, like what makes uh, AEW shows, especially the pay-per-views like what makes them, um, memorable and what gets people into them is a long Cody match where he sells and sells and sells and sells and the people get behind him and then he makes the comeback. Like, I think Cody has a connection with this audience that I just don't think he should turn heel ever. But yeah, I'm kind of I I'm kind of in agreement there. I think there will always be time later, right? To to do your. <laughs> your horseman tribute actor or to turn heel if even when people get bored of you as as the baby face but yeah to your point right now and yeah as soon as they are able to get fans back um those fans are going to want to see cody and and the rest of the elite and they're going to cheer for them because they're the you know the heroes who created this company in their eyes so that's yeah i i think Nobody needs to be in a rush to to turn or try to be evil. But at least with Kenny, obviously going back to an older character, it wouldn't be necessarily a straight up heel turn so much as just, you know, putting a different edge on his character potentially. Whereas if Cody joins with three other guys and starts beating everybody up, that's pretty much a straight up heel turn. So, yeah, I... Yeah, there's definitely like layers to each of these guys where you can you can play with some of this stuff, but I wouldn't necessarily. I I, I kind of agree with you when you lay it out that way. Um, that you know, don't we have enough? <laughs> not everybody needs to be a heel, you know. Like we <laughs> right. we have enough guys who are good ish heels. Um, we don't we don't have that many like great baby faces with uh, the type of connection that to, that uh, Cody has with the fans to your point. So yeah, I'm, I'm not in a, I'm not in a rush to see him turn. Sure. Okay. I'd like to admit something uh, really embarrassing. Uh, it wasn't until the show tonight, the AW show 
where I realized that um, they have uh, Tully and Arn uh, <laughs> both there. <laughs> like, huh? I, I, like, I knew they had Tully and I knew they had Arn, but I hadn't thought, oh, these guys are both legendary four horsemen and were a tag team for, like, the better part of a decade together. <laughs> huh. And they're both there. I, I just had, hadn't put two and two together. I mean, okay. I mean, I, <laughs> I, uh, I realized that when I was in All Out at Chicago last year and Arn came out and gave Sean Spears a spine buster in front of Tully. But, <laughs> hey, that's, that was only a year ago. Sure. Uh, getting old is really weird. Uh, <laughs> you, just, you forget stuff. You don't remember stuff. It's not not ideal. I don't recommend it. Noted. All right. Well, uh, WWE has uh, Extreme Rules, the horror show coming up this Sunday. The horror <laughs> show at Extreme Rules. Let's let's be precise here. Oh dear God! I'm sorry. I didn't realize that was a thing. Yep, that's All the right. that, yeah, uh... they they changed up their verbiage in the last like. The last, like, I think starting on last week's SmackDown and then uh, really hammered it all over Raw this week. Uh, it's now, it's not just Extreme Rules, the horror show. It's the horror show at Extreme Rules. Why are they doing, like, a Halloween theme, theme pay-per-view in July? Great question. <laughs> Don't have an answer for you, but it's a great question. All right. Uh, let's preview this card real quick. All right, so Apollo Cruz versus MVP for the United States Championship. I uh, I, I don't think it's time uh, to beat Apollo Cruz yet, but um, it there's if there's one thing, mm, there's two things that I that I've learned here in this new Bruce Pritchard era of Monday Night Raw. One, they're gonna build around a bunch of old guys. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, for a couple of weeks. Those old guys, um, I don't want to say they popped ratings because uh, the, <laughs> the ratings have been abysmal, but they were better than most of the pandemic era WWE ratings. The first couple of weeks when Ric Flair and MVP and Big Show and Randy Orton were all over the show. And Christian, Mr. Right. Blue Dot himself. That's <laughs> That's right. And now here we are, you know, uh, two weeks in or two weeks later and, or three weeks later, whatever it is. And they've set an all time low record uh, for fewest number of viewers for an episode of Monday Night Raw. So I think the bloom is off the rose of the old guys. But we've also learned that they are very willing to continue building around building around all these old guys. So do you have a feeling on which way the Apollo Crews MVP match is going to go? And do you have any thoughts on continuing to build around uh, people that have been on television for two decades? Yeah, I think Cruz will win and then they'll set up him and uh, Bodacious Bob. And yeah, it, so I do think Cruz is losing that belt to an old guy, just not this old guy. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, as far as building around old people, I mean that's the that's the security blanket that we all that we all know. It's it. There are very few things that seem to positively influence 
of viewership and ratings right now. Um, so building around his guys that he knows or believes are stars is it, it like I get, I, I don't necessarily agree with it and clearly it's not working that well, but I can at least understand this one. It's like, he's got this and he's got bringing back Austin. Like (laughs) those are the things that, I mean, Austin will pop a rating for a week or two and he can do the same thing with Hogan. Um, they, that might work for a week or two. And in the meantime, he's just going to the the old man is just going to rely on the people that he believes in. And he clearly uh, even even the guys he pushes it as top guys in this current era, the Seths and the Romans. I mean, how many coronations did he <laughs> did he try to give Roman over the years? Like six, like he would get get close to it and then pull it back and like like Daniel Bryan broke him in a weird way <laughs> and now he just he got he doesn't he doesn't know how to go all the way with a, a new person anymore um and so he just he just starts and stops with the new guys and the only guys he protects are these old guys that have been around on television for 30 years I guess let's let's talk about I mean I guess it's probably the main event of the show, but we can talk about it now. It's a nice transition. Drew McIntyre defending the WWE Championship against Dolph Ziggler. Drew is a guy that they booked really strong, and ha- they've really, with the exception maybe of that weird Heath Slater thing last week, he's top guy, he's babyface, he beats everybody clean in the middle with his move. And he never looks too weak. Um, he doesn't sell a bunch. Uh, he's, you know, they've, I, I don't really have any faults or I can't fault them for really any of the way that they've gone about pushing Drew McIntyre. And yet clearly people just aren't interested in wrestling right now. (laughs) Well, there's that. And then like, okay, so you're giving him an opponent in speaking of old guys, it's like they went to Dolph Ziggler for Drew's opponent. And it's like, Dolph wasn't even a guy that Vince saw at a top level 10 years ago when everyone else thought Dolph had potential to be that guy. But it's like, now he's just been around for so long that I guess he's the closest thing to like uh, a heel. You can put, put against your world champion to kill, to kill time until whatever the next big program is. For your for your champion, but I mean that to me is is just bizarre because never in Dolph's career has he been like a guy, one of Vince's guys, and yet it's like if you're a world champion in in 2020, you're gonna end up feuding with Dolph Ziggler for at least a month or two. I mean, <laughs> or in the last couple of years, we've seen it with Kofi and and with some other like that's all of a sudden he's just like shoved into a match for for a month or whatever and yeah i don't i don't get this at all like that to me is like that's the worst thing they've done with drew since he's won the belt is like they just gave him a weak weak challenger and yeah i don't i that's probably the the one the one blemish i would say is so far because yeah i would agree they've sort of bucked that trend uh with drew for the most part and yet 
now he's wrestling Dolph Ziggler and <laughs> clearly, yeah, nobody like whatever they're doing with true clearly not that many people are interested in it. So whether or not that's his opponent's fault or people just aren't interested in him, I don't, I mean, it's hard to say, it's hard to say what will and won't draw viewers in this, in this uh, COVID quarantine era of, of wrestling, but whatever they're doing as, as much as like on paper, it seems like it should be working. Uh, it's not. No. Speaking of not working, Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt are going to have a Wyatt swap fight. It's the dirt worst. It, yeah, it's going to be dumb. But hey, like I, I just like I said, hope it's funny dumb. Because if it's boring dumb, I'm going to be mad. So funny dumb is at least okay with me. By the way, SmackDown this past week, one of the worst shows I've ever seen. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Like I, uh, you know, I usually DVR SmackDown and kind of the you know fast forward my way through it. I fast forwarded through a lot of that show. Um, yeah, they replayed that horrible Wyatt um, uh, Strowman match from the last pay per view that was really terrible. Oh, with, yeah, with the puppets and uh, yes, sweater Bray. Yes. <laughs> the worst Bray. <laughs> like, that's the worst version of Bray Wyatt. Like, it, I it's don't fun- know. That one where he had the dreadlocks and he was feuding with Balor was pretty bad. Oh, I forgot about that one, yeah. Right, when he ended up teaming with Matt Hardy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> feuding with and then teaming with Matt Hardy, as I predicted. <laughs> yeah, naturally. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I guess this is non-title. Sure. I mean, <laughs> surely, you know, no athletic commission would would sanction a swamp fight for a belt. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, Bailey is defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Nikki Crows. The the women, like it's the same. It's Alexa and Nikki. It's Bailey and Sasha, and it's Asuka, and I guess now Kyrie. Anyway. It's the same six women. They're in uh, every match on every show. They're generally the MVPs of the show. But I don't have high hopes for Bailey and Nikki Cross in a singles match for some reason. I mean, I feel like we've seen this match. I mean, we definitely have. I think maybe last year Bailey was still a babyface and Nikki was a heel at the time. But um, I've seen this match before. There was nothing particularly wrong with it, but it's not not lighting my world on fire and Bailey has been the SmackDown women's champion for like nine years now. And it doesn't seem like Nikki is going to be the one to end that reign. Not that it's seems like they're really prepping anyone considering the rest of the women on SmackDown were in a karaoke contest last week. <laughs> um, it doesn't really seem like they're prepping anybody to get ready for Bailey. So, I mean, I guess, Ideally, it's probably Sasha. They're going to pull that trigger one of these days, buddy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in the meantime, uh, I mean, the plus side was I Bianca Belair and Shayna Baszler returned to television on, on Raw this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe Shayna's a direction for Asuka going forward. Uh, Bianca seemed like uh, maybe she was a placeholder because Liv Morgan maybe didn't 
come to that set of tapings after all the COVID outbreaks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see if she actually has like a if Bianca actually has a long term direction. But there's like there's a little bit of fresh blood on on the raw side. But yep, still just <laughs> Bailey and Sasha, Nikki and Alexa, and then we got like Lacey Evans and Tamina hanging around on SmackDown doing karaoke. <laughs> Was that a Lacey Evans heel turn? I couldn't tell. I I I I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's very very hard to tell. I I know she's a mom, mm-hmm. and I know she's a marine. Um, yes, and she's a sassy Southern belle. Um, yes, but I don't know if if she's now a heel again. I mean, I mean for her own sake, I hope she does turn heel because then maybe they'll start like booking her well. Because they only really book the heels well most of the time, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they know <laughs> either. So um, yeah, not. Uh, I have not been particularly inspired. I guess karaoke contests are less demeaning than like bikini contests. So there's that. Let's yes, let's celebrate the uh, the fifth anniversary of the women's revolution. <laughs> With a karaoke contest. Stephanie McMahon did not invent women's wrestling so that they could be doing karaoke. You know, it's really disrespectful to her legacy. Yes. But we also have to remember to honor the legacy of the Trailblazers, Molly Holly, uh, Ivory, and uh, Tori Wilson. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tegan Knox did a Molly go around in the uh, the match with EO tonight. And I was like... I it's just wild to hear people talking about the legendary Molly Holly. Like <laughs> not that I don't think she was good or anything, but it's just just random. It's just a random yeah. thing to be like none of these women were taken seriously and none of them were athletes, but also all the women of today pay tribute to <laughs> Tristratus and Molly Holly and whoever else. Yes. All right, there are two matches on Extreme Rules. Uh, sorry, the horror show at Extreme Rules that I'm Thank you. that I'm actually really excited for. Uh, one's Asuka and Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship. Why Sasha, the SmackDown wrestler, is wrestling for the Raw Women's Championship has never been explained. But, and I don't uh, have high hopes that my favorite wrestler is going to come away with the Raw Women's title. Uh, they seem to be hinting at Asuka and Kyrie as a direction, uh, at least short-term. <laughs> I don't know, man. We read that Kyrie was leaving, and then now I guess they're kind of hinting that Asuka and Kyrie is going to be a match uh, fairly soon. I don't know if that's Kyrie send-off or what, but anyway. I, I just don't see um, them going with Sasha Banks over Asuka, even though you know, maybe Asuka should have somebody to chase for a while. Uh, I'm excited for the match. Yeah, I think it'll be a good match. Um, I don't suspect Sasha will win, um, just because I assume one would have to think they are going to do something with Sasha and Bailey someday. Yes. Um, and unless they're like going to unify all the belts, it doesn't really make sense for for Sasha to win if she's going to be wrestling with SmackDown champion eventually. Um, so, yeah, I would assume Moss will win. But, yeah, I think it'll it'll probably be a pretty good match. And then the eye for an eye match, where the <laughs> match can only be won when one competitor 
rips an eye out of their opponent. Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins in an eye for an eye match. How are we going to get around the fact that whenever this person comes back, they are they going to have a, a in storyline? Will they have a glass eye? <laughs> I hope so. I hope someone has to wear like one colored contact for the rest of their career. Will, or... will they reattach the eye that was? Can you do that? I don't. What are we doing? I mean, Seth Rollins said that after this week, Rey Mysterio will never see again or something like <laughs> that in his go-home promo. So they're they're implying it's permanent. Um, so we'll see what uh, what they. I uh, like I said, I hope it's funny, dumb, and not uh, not boring, dumb. But yeah, I I am fascinated at the idea of a. Of a of a match you can only win by gouging out your opponent's eye. Like I, <laughs> it can only be ridiculous, and that sort of makes me excited. Yeah, me too. That's I can't. I'm really excited to see this match. <laughs> I mean, Seth and Ray could have a, a really great match without a goofy stip, but nah. you know, we spent a few months building this up. Let's go ahead and go for it. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh... Yeah, I, I'm fascinated by this. I will be interested to see <laughs> who, uh, quote-unquote, wins. Yes. Um, maybe based on who wins, we'll get an idea of whether or not Ray is re-signing or not. Yes. Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. I am also um, kind of strangely excited to see which way they go with the special effect for taking the eye out. Mm-hmm. I want I want to know if they try to use some kind of low budget CGI because whenever WWE uses CGI, it's like the lowest, worst looking CGI ever. Like when the Undertaker throws lightning bolts or something, mm-hmm. it's always really low rent. Or if they like get like a a, a working eye and they have like you know some kind of fake googly eye gimmicked up and it's actually like a physical prop. I'm, I'm really curious about that. Yeah, this could be, this could be pretty amazing either way. Like I'm <laughs> hoping for silly CGI, but I mean, the other way would be, would be wacky in its own way. So either way, I'm kind of excited about it. Either way, we all win. <laughs> all right. That's the horror show at extreme rules. Um, no Fraser Observer Radio in the post show this week uh, because the Hallmark Channel is running Christmas movies day and night for the next uh, three weeks. Christmas in July, everyone. It sucks. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to get into this week? Not really. Um, yeah, I think it was a it was an all right week for wrestling, and uh, not super jacked about this show this weekend, but. On the plus side, we do have the the potential comedy of a swamp fight and an eye match. So <laughs> it's not all bad. It's not all dark clouds. And hey, you can go watch the latest in the five-part series of Jeff Hardy Redemption documentaries on the WWE <laughs> Network if you want to do that. So yeah, great time. Great time to be a fan. Cool. All right. Till next time, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life.
Adios. I try to keep on keeping on.